And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. It is so nice to look forward to a big primetime game. Now, of course, talking about the Kansas City Chiefs on a regular basis, we're pretty used to it at this point. But guys, I have to say, I mean, surely this is going to be the time the Bills get one, right? Like, sure, they've got I mean, they're so good this year, and the Chiefs are so bad at football. I mean, if you've been listening to Times Ours, that's pretty much all that we've talked about. Uh, I'm guessing that maybe we go a little more nuanced than that as we look ahead to Sunday Night Football, the rematch of the AFC Championship game, Chiefs and Bills. The Bills are hot. The Chiefs are, I mean, I guess, in fairness, the coldest that they've been in the Patrick Mahomes era, although certainly beating the Eagles was nice. And we'll break that game down, preview it from every angle over the course of today's episode. And this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Nate, surely, Nate Taylor, the illustrious, the esteemed, surely you think this game's just going to be a blowout win for the Bills, right? I mean, this game, why even play the game at this point? <laughs> Look, you know, one team is super hot coming into Arrowhead. They uh, face David Mills. Am I saying his name right? Mills? I don't know. He's he's the backup for the Texans. Davis Mills? I Davis think. Did Mills. you call him David Mims? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, That's the appropriate amount of respect, I think. Ladies and gentlemen, I get paid to cover the Chiefs and be aware of things around the NFL. I David a, Mims was a Chiefs offensive lineman at some point. I think you called him David Mims. Yeah, I, I'm i not really keeping up on the Houston Texans. I'm going to just be That's honest fair. with y'all. Yeah, uh, look, they beat the, 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 you know, the fighting Taylor Heineke's. <laughs> um... You know, and who do they beat? And and a, and a Tua less Dolphins. So uh huh. I mean, you immediately can't. immediately after opening the season by losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have not won since. That that has. I just want to tell everybody, and here's just another thing, <laughs> Josh. <laughs> more and more, how did the how did the Steelers beat the the Bills? Here's how: T.J. Watt is an amazing football player. And the quietly, ladies and gentlemen, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't been good because he's kind of been dealing with an injury. Um, forget about the offense. That team's more defensive-led. Uh, and that's how they're going to win their games this year. So, like, their best player is not their quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. No, it's their pass-rushing freak of a human being. Um, but, look, you can't uh, uh, you can't come in the arrowhead any hotter, Josh. We all know this. And look, I expect the Chiefs um, to be, you know, fighting for their lives early in the third quarter. Um, wouldn't surprise me. You never know how this league can go. Uh, 
I'm sure the Bills' offense is more efficient than the Chiefs. That's got to be right, Seth. I mean, I, I, I mean, I have the facts right in front of me. <laughs> oh man, you know, I just can't help but think of a team that is coming into Arrowhead just on fire, having blown out multiple opponents consecutively. Um, facing a Chiefs team that just isn't winning by enough and has some pretty serious <laughs> questions as to how well they'll do. A team that has demonstrated that that they can they can win games by multiple points, that has a defense that is considered one of the hottest in the league right now, with an offense that's considered one of the hottest in the league. And of course, I'm talking about the 2020 Buffalo Bills heading into Arrowhead on January 24th, which was 2021, I suppose. Look, um, they, look, hey, the Ravens managed to finally climb that hill and beat the Chiefs this year. To be fair, the only, I mean, that was such like a, you know, usually, you know, but for causation in a, in a close football game, there's a bunch of plays you can point to and say, oh, things probably would have been really different had this not happened. In that Ravens-Chiefs game, had Clyde Edwards-Alaire not fumbled, the Chiefs were going to win. Like, we, we'd all hit the point, and be honest, dear listener, or dear Josh and Nate, you, you, you were thinking at this point, how are they going to drag this out to make sure the Ravens have no time left? That was it, right? Like, the consideration of the Chiefs scoring wasn't really in there anymore because, you know, they got the ball back with, like, three minutes to go. I was like, oh, they gave Mahomes way too much time. And then, like, they were in field goal range after, like, two plays. I was like, oh, okay. Now the Chiefs need to slow down. (laughs) And then Clyde fumbled. They lost the game. It was a bummer for sure. So maybe that game is the litmus test, you know, that that, that gives the Bills hope because the Ravens hadn't been able to beat the Chiefs and they finally could. Maybe the Bills can do it. Josh Allen has never played well against Spagnuolo's defense in a couple tries. This certainly seems to be the year to do it. My goodness. Can you imagine if he's just bad? (laughs) (laughs) It would be the most Chiefs thing ever for the offense to come out and score like maybe 17, but the defense to hold the Bills to three. You know what I mean? Yes. It would just be the funniest thing. You know, Frank Clark returns and has six sacks. And like, (laughs) well, come on. Listen, Seth, I was willing to come with you to a 17 to three final score, but let's not be ridiculous. I mean, (laughs) it would just be the funniest thing because no one would know what to think. I wouldn't know what to think. You know, (laughs) Williams runs for like, you know, 250 yards and Clyde doesn't run for any, you know, it's just going to be a weird game. Probably we'll see how it goes. The Bills are playing really well. As Nate pointed out, they have played some really bad teams Mm. since week one. Now that doesn't mean that they're not really, really great. I mean, they've been blowing those teams out of the water. It's what you're supposed to do. I just don't know how much that really tells us about their defense, including the game against Pittsburgh because Ben Roethlisberger is washed. Yeah. Um, yeah, like so, like fully laundered. Like yeah, he yeah. smells like he lilacs with some, a, like some he, dryer sheets. I mean, he's been through a Simonson's car wash, and if you're from yeah. the Midwest, you hey. know what that means. That's yeah, but, like a real car wash. But 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 to be fair to Roethlisberger, he is a statue that's getting constantly beat up. It's unfortunate. Their offensive line is god awful. Mm-hmm. I know way too much about the Steelers. We all kind of know why, but. Uh, 
Look, he threw up a lot of 50, uh, and Bills fans will tell you this, he threw up a lot of 50-50 balls in that season opening game, and the Steelers all came down with him. It was yep. amazing. Uh, by the way, the Bills special teams uh, probably had the biggest play in the game, I believe, which was their their block being punted. Their punt being blocked. Jeez, I can't talk today. <laughs> um, sorry, y'all. They got their punt blocked. It was immediately picked up and scored for a touchdown. They The Steelers did what Chris Jones couldn't uh, last week, <laughs> which was, you know, get the ball and, and advance it. Uh, mm-hmm. so, they sc- so they scored a touchdown. It was the... It was the... Um, it was the most weird week one result, but there are reasons as to why. Um, but, yeah, the, the Bills have done what they're supposed to do. They have, I mean, they they never let the Houston Texans feel, feel comfortable, and that's fine. Uh, you know, one could argue the Chiefs should have done something similar <coughs> to the Philadelphia Eagles, and that game sure. was legitimate for, like, three quarters. So, mm-hmm. um I am fascinated in this game because these two teams understand that they're probably the best two teams in the conference. Um, And whatever you want to show Sunday night will be obviously used, studied, and then I'm assuming it may have some impact in late January, we all assume, if, if these two teams match up again in the postseason. Yeah. I'll just give you one fun bill stat here because I just looking at the scores, I figured this would be the case, but it's it is dramatic. Um, the Chiefs' point differential is is plus nine on the season. You can get up to uh, the Panthers, Browns, and Broncos are uh, six, five, and or, uh, five, four, and three in the league in the low thirties. The Cardinals are plus fifty five. Obviously, they're the uh, lone undefeated team. Mm-hmm. The Bills are plus 90 in four games with a loss. Yep. <laughs> now, again, 35 to nothing, 40 to nothing. We'll do that for you. They, quote unquote, only beat Washington by 22 uh, and gave <laughs> up three touchdowns to the fighting Taylor Haneke's. But holy smokes. The, I mean, we we might not see teams with... The Chiefs might not end up with a, a plus ninety like on the year, <laughs> depending on how this goes. I mean, uh, with the defense obviously being the issue there, that is a jarring stat. That again came against uh, David Mims, as uh, Nate called him, and Jacoby Brissett. So <laughs> I'm not saying that that's the be all end all. It's just a fun, ridiculous stat. We we all we all make mistakes. Guys, all right. And, listen, uh, if you make it on Davis Mills, I I think we can all forgive you. Davis Mills. Wow. Um, do you guys want to? You guys want a? Uh, I, I've got a brief sidetrack planned in here because one of our one of our dear colleagues has done something bonkers that I want to talk about, um, or just has brought something to my attention even. And I want to I want to give us time for that. We could do that at the end of the show. We can make that our halftime. We could do it right now. Where what are you guys feeling right now in terms of when you want the nonsense today? Because we can, there's a lot we can get to for Chiefs Bills here. I want to plan this out accordingly. I will take the nonsense wherever you wish to leave the nonsense, sir. All right. Well, then let's hit the button now. Oh, you okay? All right. Well, let's just do. Here's your here's your uh, diversion. Uh, our dear friend Ethan Douglas of the Athletic Data Analyst with this uh, illustrious organization tweeted these things out today, and I just want to talk about it a little bit. He tweeted, "Bit of personal news: 
I've decided to start putting peanut butter on my burgers always. It's been something I've been exploring for a few years now, and I'm ready to commit fully. Excited to take you all on this journey with me. And then later tweeted, okay, this has been weighing on me all morning. I also put peanut butter on a ribeye, along with some garlic, ginger, and soy sauce last week, and it was fantastic, and I might do it again. Mm. Now... Nate has Nate and I got to chat before Seth was in the call earlier. We're gonna I want to hold Nate to the end here. Um, I have thoughts that I'm gonna come back to, but Seth, as far as I know, this is new information to you. What are you doing with this information? <laughs> How does it make you feel? Um, it a little disgusted. Um, I'm not, scared. I think is what I I, I, I just think you know I I know I've had a. Uh, um, I, I know I've had a peanut butter burger before. Like there's like the, the Thai burgers, but it just seems like a lot, you know, but who am I to judge? I mean, I'm the guy that like, I have the, I think SpaghettiOs are delicious. So I'm probably not the person to ask about food takes. <laughs> so I responded to Ethan with uh, on the on the ribeye front. I said, I think you hear here. You just reverse engineered a peanut sauce, right? Like. Some peanut butter that you thin out, melt down a little bit with some soy sauce, some ginger, some garlic. That's basically, you're on your way to a, to a sort of an Asian peanut sauce. And that's wonderful. I love a peanut sauce. I love I love peanut butter. I told Nate this before the show. I'll full on Ted Lasso just eat peanut butter out of a jar, right? I love peanut butter and I like peanut sauce. But Ethan says, it started as peanut butter with sriracha, mayo, jalapeno, some Asian style slaw, which again, I wouldn't have thought of. And I consider, I, I'm a disciple in the church of Guy Fieri. Like, everyone knows mm. this about me. I am a, um, I, I'm a food experimenter. I am not a food prude, which I, is a podcast that I'd like to start. And if anyone else uses that name, I will sue you because I just came <laughs> up with it. And I'd like to keep that now. So I am enticed by the idea of this, like, like an Asian burger with a peanut sauce. But now he says, now it's devolved into the exact regular burger you'd get at your uncle's grill out. But I spread peanut butter on the bun. Mm. And it, that, it's just jarring to me. Like, you've got two buns as if you're going to make a peanut butter and jelly with hamburger buns. But then instead of jelly, you put a hamburger patty there. It's just... It's just kind of jarring to me, even as I am very open to a savory peanut experience. And I don't want to. And I don't want to be a, f a food prude. Nate, will you please share with the audience what you shared with me whenever I brought this up to you earlier in the in the call off air because I just needed to talk about this with somebody. Of course, of course. Um, I'm totally in with Ethan on peanut butter and burgers. Um, a combination that has been enriching my life for years now. Uh, I would encourage, you know, whoever, uh, don't we all like cheeseburgers by and large? Don't we all like peanut butter? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, are absolutely. you a sociopath? Anyway. <laughs> but I also like burgers and I also like ice cream, you know? Where's yeah, the line? I mean, I, I get that, but I don't want to be a food brood, though. I don't want to be a food brood. But, 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 like, this is the combination uh, that is really, really tasteful. Um, now, this occurred to me for the first time in a lovely place in New York City. This was back when me and Holly were young pups 
as uh, as one of my <laughs> dear friends Lisa used to say, we were pipsqueaks uh, okay. with with rings on our with you know rings on our on our uh, on our hands. But anyway, they we were in New York City. There's this place called Harlem Public. It still exists to this day uh, because Josh looked this up uh, a few minutes ago. They have a item on their menu that can never be removed. It is a peanut butter burger. I tried it. It changed my life. Put some bacon on it. And brown just... sugar bacon. Creamy peanut butter, brown oh. sugar bacon, New York cheddar, Brooklyn soft roll. $16, and it comes with hand-cut French fries. Lord, I would I Lord, would take spend... Me. Take Lord, me there right now. <laughs> Lord God of heaven, if you could hear me, I don't know how far out those food delivery apps will deliver but if i i'll pay extra i don't i'm i'm down i want to try it desperately i just i will i would eat it in a in a minute happily it was just a jarring thing for me today yeah and i just want to tell everybody that look at some point we all need to to change up the tendencies right whether you whether you need to you know, we've got we've got we've gone to week five. We've made it to week five. We have consistent behavior on tape. Okay. Now we need to sprinkle in a little modification, a little nuance, a little a little variance to what we got going on. So when when you're grilling on Sunday, just remember to look in the pantry and know you got some peanut butter. And just just try it. Just try it, Seth. <laughs> it's delicious. I don't I don't I, have any. I, I, I sorry, you're you're far away from the mic, so I was trying to fill for you, Seth. It seemed like you needed a second. <laughs> oh, sure. I was trying to be a good teammate, and I ended up being a bad teammate. Go ahead. No, Go ahead. no, it's totally okay. I'm back towards the mic now. I'm definitely not working while recording the podcast because that would be insane. Um, let me just say, there are certain combinations of food that perhaps should not be tried, like I'm lamb and tuna it. fish. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm willing to try anything once, though. Same. I would just. I hope you got that reference. I don't know what it. I didn't. I missed. What? It. You no. didn't get the reference? No. Oh, I'm a tuna fish. <laughs> Someone, someone's gonna tell us on Twitter, and I'm excited for that. You don't know it I'm, either, Sam. No, lamb and tuna fish. Oh, we don't know the reference. I mean, come on, guys. I have not felt this uncool since seventh grade. It is Steve Buscemi's line in the film (laughs) Big Daddy from 1999. And I still laugh to this day. I just got to tell you, Nate, I, uh... (laughs) Oh, it's an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, of all the Sandler movies. Yeah, I immediately recognized the movie. Okay. Um, Of all the Sandler movies, uh, Big Daddy is one of the ones when he was just like pitching fastball after fastball for a while. Yeah. (laughs) He really was. Like, Josh, you might not believe this, but Adam Sandler was like the dude for a while. Yeah. You you could look, I know people are saying, hey, I, I. I would like it if Josh Allen actually, you know, was a little bit better than Patrick Mahomes. And I get that because Patrick Mahomes is is excellent. And we all get tired of excellent at some point. But to your point, Seth, um, who had a greater run? Eddie Murphy or Adam Sandler? Wow. Josh is going to get upset by that because he wasn't alive during the, like, during the, I mean, when he went. So I'm trying to look here. When he it started really with Billy Madison, mm-hmm. I'm gonna get. I'll, Happy, I've got my. I've got my answer locked in. Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, The Wedding Singer, The Water Boy, Big Daddy, 
and then things started to get kind of a little off. But that that run of four movies was like he was he was pitching some heaters, and that's just I'm not saying that he had a better run than Eddie Murphy, who obviously is 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 a legend. But that was quite the uh, that was quite the run. And then I mean, then he had you know he had you you end up with a bunch of other hits over and Nick. over. Now whether or not they were good movies, that's a different conversation. <laughs> Nate, Nate, can I? Answer? Josh is can offended. I? I'm going to let Josh. Can, talk. No, 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 not at all, not at all. I just have an answer. Nate, yes. can I answer your question with a question, please? Was Adam Sandler in Shrek? <laughs> He was too big for Shrek when it came. Was Adam, out. Was Adam oh, Sandler wow. in Shrek? What a, what a <laughs> was Adam Sandler in Shrek? Because if not, then I think you know my answer. Adam <laughs> Sandler was too Shrek? busy to be in Shrek when it came out initially. That's incredible. I, also, just, Eddie Murphy just a, had the vision. He knew he was about to be in, and not just one of the greatest animated films, not just one of the greatest films of our lifetime, one of the greatest pieces of art of the century we currently live in. This came out in 2001. Maybe the greatest art made this millennium. I'm just, I'll say that. Plus, second to a peanut butter burger. Plus, uh, to bring it all back, to tie it all up, please. Ad- Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler doesn't doesn't have the Nutty Professor in the catalog either. So that's true, that's true. He speaking of it, nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. All right, I, that's that's the diversion I needed. I just needed can, a little battery recharge. You know? Can I give you two stats, Josh? Since we're reeling our way back to uh, yeah, back please. to the Chiefs. Sure. <clears throat> so first of all, let me just tell you guys, Spanglish is an underrated movie. It's an Adam Sandler movie. It's it kind is. Of like a, I, I, it's like a job. I, I agree with you. I it's agree it's with it's you. it's an underrated movie. He does a nice job in that. Um, I got a soft spot for Tia. I don't remember her last name. I feel terrible. The one of the other stars of that show. But Spanglish is underrated. It's not a bad flick. But here's the stat: the Chiefs are averaging right now three point seven four points per drive. Which, if if you're like, well, that doesn't mean anything to me. That's like another 20% more than they averaged per drive during 2018. They're also, so they lead the league in points per drive by a massive margin. Mm-hmm. Okay. They also are second in the league in turnovers per drive, which is a bad stat, obviously. The only team that turns the ball over more on a per drive basis right now is the Jaguars, who, you know... They've got some stuff. They're going through some stuff right now. The Chiefs, in other words, are at a historic pace. Like if they finish the season averaging 3.74 yards or points per drive, that would that would be a record, right? They're doing that while turning the ball over at one of the worst rates in the league. And, Obviously, and, when and, you turn and, the ball over, that's zero points on that drive. And, and Seth, uh, they only had one turnover in the last game. So the trend, the trend was even more stark. <laughs> yeah, before last trend. Game. <laughs> well, and that was the funny thing. If you look at like what the Chiefs' offense has done this year, the Eagles' game and the Chargers' game are actually fairly good. More so the Eagles' game because they turned it over so much in the Chargers' game. But the Eagles' game, if you look at the like seven drives where they actually were trying to score, it's like touchdown, 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 pick touchdown, and you're like, whoa, holy crap. Like, 
it's just something that I don't think people are really appreciating because they're two and two right now. Mm-hmm. If Clyde doesn't fumble and they're three and one instead of two and two, I think people are talking about a potentially historic offense in Kansas City. But no one's talking about it because they're two and two. Yeah. And it's just something worth thinking about. And that's one maybe not advantage, but one side to the defense being so bad against the Eagles is it forced Mahomes to continue to be a fire-breathing dragon for the entire game. And it's just, it's been fun to watch. It's just heading into the Bills game, that's something to keep an eye on because apparently they're going up against the very best defense in the whole wide world. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, my, my mentions have been filled a little bit. I actually like Bills fans by and large. Who doesn't? Like, yeah, like if you've stuck with the Bills all these years, respect. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. deserve a Josh Allen. They deserve Absolutely. like a good winning team. I have gotten like last year leading up to the AFC Championship game. Like to me, I think friendly trash talk is so much fun. But I think it should always be couched. So like when the Chiefs were constantly losing to the to the Broncos, I would talk trash to Broncos fans, but always with the look. Y'all know you keep beating them. I'm just talking. You know what I mean? Rather than a, <laughs> no, this is the time. This You guys have been a pretender for years, and now we're going to expose you, all that stuff. So it's just, so if I sound a little punchy, plus I've been sick this week. But it's just to hear people talk, about, oh, man, the Chiefs are running into this juggernaut of a Bills team. I've heard that story before. Now, again, I've heard that story before with the Ravens, and they lost due to a last-second fumble. So who knows what might happen? But I've heard this story before with the Bills. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. A handful of things that I want to talk about, and, and I do want you to talk about this very bad defense, because Seth, you just had a piece come up. Uh, on on the uh, Chief of the North newsletter that I thought was excellent in terms of finding where the Chiefs are not great, which is everywhere, Ooh, um, but also bath. but but where it's really bad, I think is really interesting, and I want I want to do a, a a little bit of a, a dive into all of that to make sure we're spending time on the right stuff because again, I would and I would suggest you go read that and subscribe to the uh, newsletter as well. Also. I don't know if there's like a conversation to have around this, but holy smokes, if you have not read the uh, the piece that Nate was a part of on 15 stories about Patrick Mahomes, if you're listening, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't read that story, you're wasting your own time by not like there's there is a I promise you a money back guarantee. I'm not that's not true. Um, <laughs> there there is no chance if you're a Chiefs fan listening to this podcast that you will not adore this this story because um, it's. It's just fabulous. So, Nate, um, it, it was you and Rustin Dodd and Jason Jenks, I believe. Yes. Uh, the trio. If you want to give a light pitch on that story also before we dive back in on Bill's stuff, I wanted to at least mention it because it might be my favorite thing that I've read this year. It's also a quick read. You can go through the bullet points. It's just great. It's just it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny because this was something that um, we had kind of done last year towards the playoffs, of course, when we were trying to explain mm -hmm. – and it worked out kind of fortuitous to us, but it worked out in sort of explaining like how in the world did the Chiefs go from pick 27 to pick 10 to get Patrick Mahomes and everything that sort of led to that. And obviously, sorry, Bills fans, um, they, were, <laughs> they got fleeced uh, by Andy Reid and Brett Veach and uh, even Clark Hunt was kind of involved in that. So that was a collaborative effort that also um, involved Jason Jinks. And so when we got to training camp, and, and it's always fun when like, you know, you're doing something that isn't going to come out for like probably five to six weeks, um, which I'm also in the process of something else that will hopefully come out later uh, this month in October. But excellent. Yes. Um, but yeah, we just got to talking and uh, it's just one of those things where you call somebody, which leads to another call, which leads to another call. And so we tried to get as many teammates, uh, friends from high school, former teammates in college Um we got Brad Childress to be out here cursing. <laughs> that was my. That was the first one I saw someone tweet out a screenshot of. Yes. I said they got a Brad Childress. Brad -bomb. Childress was out here like what the. <laughs> Dude, that was that was the only sell job that I needed. Yeah, um, so so we, so we get Brad Childress to curse. Um, I spent um, about I don't know 25, 30 minutes with with Dustin Colquitt, and he shared about five stories. And only one made the <laughs> only one made the piece. Um, so you know, do you want to? I don't know. Are you saving those for something else, or do you want to share one of those here, little podcast exclusive, a sixteenth a, a story that didn't make the cut? Uh it involves. If you want to save it? Save it. It's okay. No, I mean I can share it now. I, I don't think 
Dustin is is going to be upset or anything by it. But I think <sighs> so. It didn't. The theme of it is mostly about Patrick's personality and how competitive he is, and sort of as Seth has alluded to before, how it's how it's kind of Michael Jordan like. Like, put this man in any scenario, and he, and he gets too competitive or he or he finds ways to be creative to make things more competitive than they should be um but one thing that Dustin Colquitt told me which I thought was hilarious that did not make the piece so this is a little bit of a bonus was um I don't remember exactly what year maybe this was 2018 2019 but the the St. Louis Blues uh had kind of become a thing they had made the Stanley Cup uh finals and so Patrick Mahomes is one decides to do wants to invite people to go to the game because he's just like, why would I not want to go to a Stanley Cup final game? Or maybe it was in the playoffs. I don't remember. But whenever the Blues won the Cup, uh, Patrick invited guys to go to St. Louis. And so Dustin, who is a father of, you know, multiple children, he's he's obviously one of the older guys in the locker room at the time, was like, okay, great. Like, where do you want me to meet up? <laughs> and so Patrick texted him the location of Kansas City's downtown airport, not the one that you and I or most people fly into, which is obviously further north. It's actually closer to St. Joseph than I would like it to be. Um, so Dustin drives up and he's like, well, am I driving? Are you driving? And he did not know that Patrick had reached this, this level yet, but it's like, no, we're getting on a, we're getting on a, we're getting on a personal, <laughs> we're getting on a jet, my man. <laughs> yeah, okay. And he's like, dude, you've only like, you've only been in the league two years, which again, Tells you the, the the mentality and thought process of a punter and that of like emerging superstar quarterback. Mm-hmm. So that state farm money's got to be good, incredible. Money. <laughs> so I, I, I can't remember if it was Flyshare at the time, but it was some private jet. And so he gets on and he's like, "Okay, great. Like, all right, who's who's all going? Like, all right, we're, you know, how 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 fast? By the way, how fast are we getting from Kansas City to St. Louis? And he said forty two minutes. And who? <laughs> the, the noise that Dustin made to me was like, oh, my God. Like, I thought we were driving to St. Louis. <laughs> this jet will get us there in 42 minutes. I brought like, four hours worth of snack. Exactly. Like, he, he thought of it as a dad, which was just so, so like, I completely related to it. I was like, I would do probably the same thing. Because Patrick had, I, I, again, I, somebody will fact check this for me, but it was during the playoffs and he was like, okay, there's Travis and his young lady. There's Patrick and Brittany, of course. And it's me. And this is Dustin Colquitt talking. It's me and Anthony Sherman. <laughs> Anthony Sherman is my date. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot That's of stuff good. that happens after the game. But that was, that was the funny thing. It was like, Patrick basically put me on a blind date. With Anthony Sherman. Okay. <laughs> that's that's a good story. I like that. Yeah. It also is a good window into um, Mahomes' life, kind of where it's at right now and already was. <laughs> that, that State Farm money, and it's not, I mean, what is, let me think here. You got State Farm, Head & Shoulders, Heinz, Oakley's. I know Adidas. Oakley's must be paying him a, yeah. Yeah, Oakley and uh, Bose and that Essentia water. 
that he's always holding in every photo the Chiefs tweet out on game day where he's got the label <laughs> oh, yeah. facing out because he's a pro. <laughs> there was one there was one a couple weeks ago where he was he straight is, up holding the bottle just, horizontally like, like so you could read the label easily. It was yeah. pro move. So so Pat I just looked this up. Patrick was only through one season at that point as the starting quarterback. No, this was it, it, when when the, the money's when, good. Yeah, when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, it was in uh, June of twenty nineteen. So this was before the Chiefs Super Bowl winning season. So yeah, one season in and uh, and yeah, so like you know, between me, Rustin, and Jason, um, it was very it's very cool because like we're all from Kansas City, so we kind of understand um, the impact that Mahomes has had on the town, um, what he means culturally and regionally. And that's even before we get to like sort of the global status. But it's it's just you know we got on the phone in training camp, and it was just three Kansas City guys talking about how do we reveal something about Patrick Mahomes in a way that. You know, hasn't we hope hasn't been told before, and that hopefully people learn about him beyond just the football stuff. So, which is you know a great part of my uh, my job, honestly. But yeah, it was it was great to know that we had about forty stories, and then we just picked the best fifteen. And so, um, when I talked to Patrick in training camp, um, and then I asked him about you know what's your favorite golf shot? What's your favorite golf shot? Excuse me. Um, that's one of the stories that I think we start the, the, the piece with. So, um, him and Travis together in, in, in Cabo. So, um, yeah, there's, we honestly could do a part two if we wanted. Um, and I don't know what will happen with those stories, but it was really cool to, to sort of, um, give, give, you know, our subscribers and people something different, um, uh, when learning about Patrick and, and the whole, I mean, the guy loves cornhole. I mean, that's 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 another thing. Like, go, go, just please, if you got some time, read the piece. But Patrick Mahomes loves cornhole, um, and it involves Brittany in some ways too. <coughs> the story rules. You just you just gotta you just gotta go read it. It's it was wonderful. Really, really, really great stuff, man. It's and very fun. Um, so there's there's all that. Okay, let's. Uh, there's a little. We talked about some food and had some fun. We talked about Patrick Mahomes and everyone's in a nice mood. Um, <laughs> Chris God. Jones. Let's talk about him for a second here, Nate. Um, we as we are recording this, um, Chris Jones in the very limited portion of practice today here on Friday, open to the media, was out there without a helmet, mm-hmm. uh, according to multiple reports that I've seen here on Twitter. As we do all of this, it is very, very rare that a player will not practice on Friday. We don't know that he's not practicing, but he certainly he cannot be a full participant just from what we know there. And it Correct. sounds like he's probably not practicing today Correct. by the time the show is out people may know for sure um but but what do you know about chris jones with his wrist what are the chances that he plays if he is limited or a non-participant today um and then seth i would like to know what you think of chris jones's performance so far this year he's been pretty hotly contested and, and pretty heavily discussed but i i know that you've got some things on chris jones that you saw as you were evaluating the chief's defense so chris uh, again, as you're probably hearing this, either Chris did not practice Wednesday and Thursday. We know that for a fact. Andy Reid sort of mentioned that this was sort of to help his treatment process of the wrist. Because as I asked Andy on Wednesday, Andy described it as his wrist injury has been a distraction. Um, which will which was a real was that weird to you? That's, yes, that quote was really weird to me. And so it'll lead to what Seth will mention here in a minute, but. You know, the team is trying to be cautious with it. Uh, it sounds like it may be a bigger problem than the team is letting on. Um, and as I've told you guys before, if you don't practice on Friday, especially if you're not there Wednesday or Thursday, 
Andy, from an old school standpoint, is like, I, I, I don't really feel comfortable putting you out on the field, regardless of how great you are, outside of like, well, we need a quarterback to, to like <laughs> operate the offense. So if you're not Patrick Mahomes, you really do need to practice by Friday to give Andy some form of confidence that like you're going to be ready to go um, against whoever you're playing with. All that to be said, um, we're going to get to probably another game, game five, where we have not seen the Chiefs' best defensive players on the field together because as it looks like Chris Jones is sort of going down a little bit in terms of what his availability is, it looks like Frank Clark is going to swing back into being a, a, a player on Sunday. Um, if he gets through today's practice uh, relatively clean, he is expected to play, is my understanding. Um, but now Chris Jones is in real doubt, uh, in my opinion, based on how he looked um, in Sunday's game and what his participation or therefore non-participation has been so far in practice. So, Seth, I, I want to get into more of the specifics of what the problem is with the Chiefs' defense, but what has Chris Jones done in terms of whenever you've looked at him across the defensive line? Um, and also what and also what happens when he's not on the field, if that is the case, as it seems like it's likely to be against the Bills. Um, I would just say that, you know, Mike Dana should send Jones a couple of fruit baskets for a couple of the sacks that he's collected, hmm. which which is no disrespect to Dana, who did his job. You know what I mean? He's, yes. Someone's got to clean it up. Absolutely. Yeah, he's he he's actually kind of starting to find his niche with the team. He's a high motor guy, never quits, um, but he's not a guy that has any one particular move that he wins with which makes it tough to get anything other than coverage sacks or clean up. Now, you need guys like that. You need an average dude out there. I wouldn't say he's an average pass rusher at this point. I think he's a little below average. But because of his high motor and his strength, he's able to not get blown back, and he's he's, he's around, right? Um, Jones, in the Eagles game, probably should have had three sacks. Um, now, I don't think he was playing as well as he normally does. It's just the Eagles' right tackle was terrible. And... Jones, anytime he was one-on-one with him, was like, well, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to push you backwards. Like, it was just, it wasn't even, there just, there wasn't a lot to it other than that. The problem was the ball kept coming out so ridiculously quickly mm-hmm. that it just didn't matter. So I would say this. With regards, there's a lot of people talking about Chris Jones, and it's easy to point at like a big change, especially he got he got victimized a ton against Baltimore. I think he was not put in a position to succeed there. They had him they had him playing these these um these read option plays the same way they would ask like Clark to or another defensive end, and and he just couldn't do it. Right? What they should have said, Jones. Hit Lamar Jackson. I don't care what you think they're going to do with the ball. Just go after Lamar. We'll have someone scrape behind you and handle the gap, right? And they refused to do that. And he got torched. And so I think because of that, there's been a lot of talk about Jones that I I personally don't think is particularly fair. I think he's the only guy winning really up front consistently. And that's a problem for the entire pass rush. We, We talked about this last year. You can't just have one elite pass rusher in the NFL. Yes. You, you, it just doesn't work because even elite pass rushers win about 20, 25% of the time. Would you, would you like to know the, the, the pass rush win rate? Uh, let me say that again. Pass rush win rate per ESPN when it comes to the Chiefs right now. For the entire defensive line? Yes. Team pass rush win rate. Right now, the Cleveland Browns are, are leading the league with 
Whew, 59% win rate. Good God, God. what? <laughs> um, Holy would, smokes. I know. Would you like to know where the Chiefs are? I'm going to go single digits. Uh, well, it's not that bad. Seth, okay, that's nice. You got, a, you got an idea? Seth, you want to... I don't... They, they judge win rate based on proximity to the quarterback. I judge it based on whether they beat the blocker. And those are two different things. Mm. And so I, I couldn't even guess. But I it can't be very good. Uh, it's not very good, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, they are right now ranked 22nd. Um, That's actually not as bad as I was afraid. Also oh, not as me. bad as I thought. Yeah. yeah I they're, thought. They're, excuse me. They're 24th because the Bears and the Packers are tied right now at 22nd. They're 24th with 38% uh, pass <sighs> rush win rate. When when you think about that, so they they gauge pass rush win rate by getting close to the quarterback, essentially. Yes, and by the and, way, in in run stop win rate, they are dead last at twenty three percent. Yeah, those those first two games really killed them with that regard. I mean, they they haven't been great against the run in the second two games, but those first two set them so far behind the eight ball that it's going to take like all season yeah. to come back. The, um, the way I would, by the way, Seth, real quick, uh, the way ESPN I guess tracks this is our pass rush win rate metric tells us how often a pass rusher is able to beat his block within two point five seconds. Right. My understanding is they utilize huh. next gen stats for that though. Correct. In terms of using whether or not using player tracking data. Yes. Right. Which and 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 I I think it's a great stat and I think it's a really good idea. The offensive linemen and defensive linemen I've talked to about it don't think it's necessarily the best way. But I think outside of, you know, grinding every snap. And and like you know, really watching every snap to mm-hmm. see what the move was and all that. I think it's the it's the next best thing. So it, it's not a, it's not a bad stat. Here's another metric that I'm just that's sort of interesting. So uh, I got to count now. I shouldn't have interrupted you until I was done counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So the Chiefs on Pro Football Reference are actually seventh in quarterback hurries with fourteen point two percent of the of the time there's a drop back, um, which feels about more often like. Um, how often they have actually made a quarterback have to hurry. The issue is that they are they're doing that 14% of the time while blitzing 30% of the time. Yeah. They've got a very high blitz rate. And, and that's now the somehow the Bucks are blitzing 40% of the time and hurrying the quarterback 6% of the time. Ooh, so that's weird. Ooh. Could be worse. Um their pressure percentage is only 20. The Chiefs is the Chiefs pressure percentage is Twenty six and a half percent again while blitzing thirty percent of the time. Um, just I, again, I'm not even a hundred percent sure how many of these stats are. Interestingly enough, um, pressure per- their hurry percentage is their best of these percentages. Pressure's a little worse. Quarterback knockdowns they drop down into the bottom half. Yep. So they're not they're not getting home even whenever they're making a little bit of noise. Sorry. Correct. Sorry. That's reflective of what I saw on tape against the Eagles. And a bunch of people were talking about the pass rush during the game. And I don't think it helped that the announcers kept praising the job the offensive line was doing by the Eagles. The pressure was there. But you know how you end up? There's a lot of ways you end up with a hurry without a knockdown. One of them is the ball's already out. So you don't hit the guy. Because, you know, penalties. Penalties, yes. And uh-huh. and that's and that's where I know we were kind of obliquely starting to get to that whole Chiefs defense article. The pass rush was fine against the Eagles. It's just guys were open everywhere all the time. Yep. I can't remember since 2018 watching a game and saying, my God, guys are open every snap. Yep. And it was, I mean, it was so bad. And the problem was it wasn't even like 
It wasn't like there's on this huge variety. It was like, I bet you they threw to the perimeter 20 times. Yes. And it they were just guys were wide, wide open. open. Yes. Every time. And and it just it was so frustrating to watch. I, I got so angry watching it. And there's a few problems. Some of them are correctable, some of them are not. That the pass rush, honestly, um, Dana's helped a little, but like you had a couple where like there were a couple of really nice Tashawn Wharton snaps mm-hmm. where he got quick pressure and it just didn't matter. And that's where I kind of feel for Jones because you get a lot of people having a lot to say about him. And that's been the case for like the last four years. I continue to take the stance. I Chris Jones is beloved by most Chiefs fans, but they I've never seen a superstar with such a decent sized vocal segment that really goes after a guy. And I don't know why that is, but that's just something I've consistently seen with him. And it just, people have been really eager. Oh, you know, this it, turn to edge has been a disaster, all this stuff. He was getting pressure. He was winning. It just didn't matter. Injured wrist and everything. And so the, I would say the pass rush right now, it wasn't very good through the first two games. They weren't getting pressure with four. Spagnolo's gotten some pressure and that kind of stuff, using, utilizing blitzes. But even when the front four gets pressure, which outside of Jones has not been good. Like Reed has been a disappointment. It's been it's been tough. But even when they get pressure, it just didn't matter. And that to me, they got to fix the stuff on the coverage side of things. And the pressure will suddenly see, oh man, they're getting better pressure. And it won't be that. It'll be the fact that guys aren't open within two seconds. Yeah. When you're thinking about uh, Mike Dana's, and again, I think I said this at the time on Twitter, but when Mike Dana got his, his sack against Justin Herbert, it was not because of the pass rush. It was because Tyron Matthew was the deep safety who eliminated the the, the shot that yep. Justin Herbert wanted to take. And so all these things sort of complement one another or, or you know you know can disrupt what another side of the unit is doing. Um this will sort of tell you like for all the people complaining about Frank Clark and Chris Jones, much of that same level actually needs to go to 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 Jaron Reed, who I thought probably had his best game as a chief against the Eagles. Um, but for what he was expected to do, it's actually Tershawn Wharton, again, via ESPN stats, who is number four right now in the league in terms of having the highest pass rush win rate at the defensive tackle position. It is not Jaron Reed. On the, think, in the, for the Chiefs. For the fourth, Chiefs. For the Chiefs. Well, okay, fourth, yeah. fourth in the entire league. Um, really? Yes. There's There's... Javon Hargrave, Aaron Donald, of course. Uh, J.J. Watt has actually played a lot inside <coughs> and has won quite a bit. And then Tershawn Morton. And these these stats were updated on Monday. And um, he's played a de- – it's not like he's only played like 15 snaps or whatever. Like he's got a decent sample size. It's mm-hmm. just not noticeable because the coverage has been so rough. Exactly. Yeah. And that's – that's I, if, if the coverage were like what it's been in previous years, I think we'd be talking about Tershawn Morton as a breakout player. Mm. And, and that's where, and we'll see, right? Because consistency is where it's going to matter. He's still a young player. That's where he struggled last year. So we'll see. But that to me, like, I was ringing the alarm bell about the pass rush to start the season. Now I'm much more like, oh my gosh, they need to cover someone, anyone. Make a quarterback come off their first read at least. But these, if I were the Bills, I'd be watching what the Eagles did and said, well, we're gonna we're gonna run about ten wide receiver screens yep. and a bunch of a bunch of uh, you know play action where the tight end releases into the flat because the Chiefs haven't shown they can cover that once. Well, this isn't you know for as much as coaches <laughs> like to be like 
I just out here grinding through this tape. I be out here sleeping <laughs> in the facility. I gotta look at give me all the third down cuts again. Let me look through them like for all of that talk. This stuff is kind of simple. And look, uh, we would collectively tell the Bills, hey, the Chiefs have struggled at tackling. And the Chiefs' best player in the back end is Tyron Matthew. You know what we could do to accentuate a problem and eliminate or negate their best player? Oh, quick passes, screens, mm-hmm. RPOs. <laughs> like, it's not that hard. Right. It eliminates it eliminates Matthew by and large from and he's, being and, an impact and he, player. And he acknowledged this on Twitter earlier this week, and I was like, you, I mean, you're right, Tyron. I don't know if you want to share that publicly, but hey, maybe maybe he's gotten to the point where, where we all have gotten where it's like, this stuff is simple. <laughs> it's like either you can cover somebody or you can't, or you have 11 guys on the field and half of them are playing at a below average at a below average rate, which means you can exploit those those weaknesses a lot easier um, than what you could a year ago, where they were actually pretty good at eliminating deep passes. And so they were... I wonder what would help with that. Mm, yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah. What do you think would help with that, Seth? Look, look, Juan Thornhill has struggled at times at tackling. Who? Part, <laughs> <laughs> part of that could be, and some people have mentioned this, part of that could be because he's playing so infrequently that it's like, how does, <laughs> how does that guy get into any rhythm? And ladies and gentlemen, I don't really know. Um, but hey, ladies and gentlemen, the Buffalo Bills, if they, if they don't break tendency... We'll put Juan Thornhill on the field because they like to spread this thing out. And it will actually help Steve Spagnuolo put one of his better players on the field. And that's the funny thing is that if they – it's kind of similar to the Ravens game. They had to go against tendencies. And we'll see if the Bills do that. They might be confident enough their offense to just not. But any, any offensive coordinator playing the Chiefs – Run personnel to keep the third safety off the field because that means you're going to have Matthew playing deep more often and it means you're going to have Sorensen outmatched against a tight end or a running back or he'll be performing some zone duties where he does all right. Although this year, low-key, that people aren't talking about enough and maybe because Sorensen's been such a punching bag that people just ignore it because even when he was playing pretty well last year, people were going after him. But he, low-key, he has been false-stepping all over the place. In terms of play action, in terms of RPO types of, there there have been some plays where he's taken two or three steps following play action to the other side of the field and opening up this wide open window for an RPO. And you're like, dude, you're supposed to be the veteran. Like this is the, this is the reason you're on the field. But anyway, I mean, if you're an opposing offensive coordinator, so you play a little bit big in order to force Thornhill to not be on the field, and then you just run some motions and throw to the perimeter over and over and over, or do a few quick hitters to the interior, forcing Nick Bolton out of his co- out of his comfort zone in terms of coverage. Because Hitchens and Bolton, neither of them are covering very well. Now, maybe with Willie Gay Jr., that second one becomes a little less of a problem for the Chiefs defense. But right now, they seem easy to figure out. And Real quick in, on, yeah. on Willie Gay, just a, a bookkeeping note. He's returned to practice, but he is still on IR uh, as we do this show. I guess there's a I guess there's a chance he could get activated later today and in time for the game, Nate. That seems the, yeah. unlikely to me, but I don't yeah. I don't know how much he's practiced. He doesn't have to have a practice designation because he is on IR. Yes. He has to be activated within three weeks of returning to the practice field. I think it's 21 days exactly, I think. Correct, which which translates to nine practices. But um, if the Chiefs are going to activate Willie Gay, it'll happen likely on Saturday. 
Okay. Because they want to see him through today's practice, today being Friday, uh, see how his body responds. And then depending on how close you think Willie Gay is ready and how be desperate you need him to be on the field doing something, <laughs> even if it's in a limited role. Like I, I mentioned this, I should mention this too. Like if, if Willie Gay play, if he's active and in uniform on Sunday, I wouldn't expect him to play 65% of the snaps. Uh, the Chiefs are very clear about easing people back in. Um, and again, he's he's missed all the games because of his turf toe injury. And so they need to manage that over the duration of the season. Don't forget that, ladies and gentlemen. Just because he's back on the field, they're going to need to manage this probably all season long, was what I was told. So if the Chiefs have shown us over and over again this season, hey, we're worried about January, not necessarily September and early October, it would be a bit of a surprise for me if Willie Gay was activated and did play on Sunday. Um, they don't have to rush him because, as Josh mentioned, they have 21 days to sort of get him up to speed. Um, but against this offense, you might be desperate enough to say, hey, man, can you give us 15 snaps? Right. Uh, but I would still be surprised if it, if it does happen on Saturday. Really quick on the on the October November thing versus the January thing, I I totally get that right. I think there is a very obvious logic there. The Chiefs will you know they're they're planning on playing deep into January and potentially into February. I I totally get it. I I really do. But this stretch of four out of these first five games going Browns, Ravens, Chargers, Bills, and then they have Washington and the Titans and the Giants all after that. And then even the Packers, you know, it's an NFC team before they get the Raiders. There's a long stretch of games. There should be four in a row, well, three in a row after this Bills game that we don't have to talk too hard about because the Titans look broken and Washington and the Giants are very good. But right now, if there is a way to put yourself in a bad place in September and October, they've done it. Because they're they are behind the Ravens and the Chargers in the tiebreaker now. If they lose to the Bills, yep. then they have three losses in the first five games. They're two and three with with three important tiebreakers having been lost if they do lose this game. So like, I, as much as a game can matter on October tenth for the Chiefs, I, I think this one kind of does. No, you're right, um, and that'll be the that'll be the discussions they'll have, you know, tonight and and Saturday. Um, it's it's tough to say because um you just can't foresee if how much this is going to affect Willie Gay and um our dear friend Pete Sweeney I thought made a made a pretty good point earlier this week where it's like if yeah, like, your maybe your dear friend oh well thank you <laughs> Pete Sweeney getting caught Sorry. out here in these streets. Uh, <laughs> but Pete, Pete was saying to me after one of the, the one of the press conferences, like, well, let's say Willie plays two games and then he gets hurt. Yeah. At that point, you kind of put the injury plague label on him. And I'm like, I can't really argue against it. Um, and maybe the, maybe the Chiefs know that. So, but hey, at some point he's got to play. This game is important. Um I'm, I'm, I guess if you're Rick Barkholder, Josh, you're like, can you can you give us 15 snaps? <laughs> yeah. And I, I just it would be such a miserable thing to find out he reaggravates it, you know, in the post game press is, conference, and, which is possible. Which is yeah. again, I uh, hamstrings, ankles, 
totes. All these things are, you got to manage it as you're trying to play and come back. Uh, Seth, is there anything else defensively? People need to go read the story because especially the one clip where you end up uh, doing the screen grab with the big red circles is <laughs> jarring because um, there is a little bit of of pressure that, you know, could have been closing in, except Jalen Hurt. I mean, it's not great, but, there's you know, he gets hit. He does actually get knocked down after releasing the pass, but he has three options at three different depths that, and I don't say this lightly because I think I would die in two plays in an NFL football game. I could at least hit the check down. I could at least hit the check down, which is what he went for. If I, if I was warped into his body right there, I mean, I would have died upon impact, but again, that pass was that sort of open. Uh, So is there Mm -hmm. anything else defensively that you'd want to, you want to highlight before we get to um, prediction territory a little bit? Yeah, I would just note, I mean, the linebackers have been a real issue. We actually, as we're talking here, uh, Ben Solak with the ringer mm-hmm. wrote about have, the Chiefs defense. Yeah. And, and Ben does a great tab. job with this stuff. Sorry, our timing today has been bad. Uh, I, think you, I think there's a little bit of a Zoom delay, and I also think our, we're just out of practice. Yeah, we, Go we're ahead, a little Seth. out of practice. <laughs> Thank you. Um it, it they it, it's a really good look at some of the issues that the that the defense is having in terms of linebacker play, and so that that's a problem. Um, I would just note that a lot of the stuff that's going wrong, at least in terms of going wrong to make them so abysmal, is correctable. In terms of missed coverages, um, I mean, you just have so many just breakdowns. And that's something they didn't struggle with the last two years. And that's one reason they were able to somewhat overachieve in a lot of ways. I'm curious to see how that looks um, against the Bills and what they do to try to counteract it. Because they've reached the point in terms of like miscommunications and that kind of stuff that I think you're past the point of trying to scheme your way out of this stuff necessarily. Because guys are already having trouble handling the scheme you've got. And so it might be time for them to strip back rather than scale up additional scheming. And that's going to be tough for a guy like Spagnolo to do. So you might end up in a situation where you almost continue to create more problems by trying to solve the problems you have. And so that's not super reassuring. Awesome. <laughs> you, 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 know my, you know my suggestion slash solution? I don't. Crank up the blitz even more, ladies and gentlemen. Crank that thing till it breaks. And if you do, and if you do that, then my my other thing to say, my other thing on that would be run more press coverage and just try to cheat a little bit with safeties on the outside as best you can and hope that you get there in under two seconds. Yep. Because yep, what yep, they're yep. doing right now, they do a lot of zone blitzing, which yes. requires guys to rotate, and, that, and guys are just missing their rotations. And so it's like, okay, you know what? We're going to start blitzing a ton, and we're going to do man coverage. And I guess now we'll the pro- see. Now the problem is you could – you. I feel confident that you can get away with blitz with man coverage if Traverius Ward is playing to his expectations. Um, You can do that with LeJarrius Sneed, but LeJarrius Sneed is such a good blitzer. Mm-hmm. Can you do that with Mike Hughes? Because – yeah, no, he's struggled. 
I, I would just say just crazy. A, a, who could have who could have seen that coming? Just an interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, after three years of us saying the cornerbacks were going to be a problem, we were bound to be right eventually. Eventually, <laughs> eventually. Yeah. And look, um, Rashad Fenton will be coming back from a concussion. That um, helps. We'll see. Yeah. You know, because he could. He's basically the second nickel. So if you want to blitz him, <laughs> the second coming. I was like, that's a lot. That's pretty high praise. <laughs> <laughs> no, Willie Gay is the savior. Let's be honest. <laughs> That's right. Um, That's I, right. One, one thing that I would note is some of these, uh, the blown coverages and defensive miscommunications, Sneed has been in the middle of some of those. Mm-hmm. And part of that, I'm kind of wondering if there's not been a little situation of too much, too fast with him, because they are asking him to do a lot of things. Yep. And sometimes I wonder if maybe... It wouldn't be better off just saying, hey, Sneed, we're going to have you on the boundary. We're going to slide you inside as a slot corner on on nickel and dime sets, but that's it. Yeah. Like, they're kind of moving him all over the place and asking him to do a bunch of different things. And he's very talented, but I've seen some mental lapses there where he's just been out of position. Um, and maybe it's not him. Maybe it's the other guy. You don't know without being in the huddle. But that's at least worth noting. But, I mean, a lot of this stems from... Get your best free safety on the field. Get Tyron Matthew close to the line of scrimmage again, kind of, you know, patrolling a little bit and getting him in an area where those RPOs can't take him out quite as much. And these are things that they can do. They can simplify, but yeah, we'll see. All right, what do you guys think happens? Chiefs by a million. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was so pessimistic a little bit ago. The over-under for this game, whenever I checked on Monday, was like 54 and a half. And I know that every time you go, that seems that seems 10 points too low, that it ends up hitting the under. But that seems maybe 10 points too low to me. Yeah, you're I serious. feel like both teams have to end this game in the 30s. It just seems impossible that they wouldn't. Uh, unless, unless there's some turnovers or penalties can, like, in a lot of ways, it's like which offense executes at such a high consistent level or... Do penalties get in the way? Does a turnover here or there get in the way? Um, Sean McDermott, please go for it on fourth down. Don't bring that weak stuff. Don't bring that weak stuff in here. Like take from Nick Sirianni, take from Brendan Staley. Like learn from your mistakes. <laughs> so, um, as Seth told you. You get four opportunities to get ten yards. Yes, seems seems doable uh, right now, depending on who may be on the field for the Chiefs defense. Um, I would say something to the effect of like Chiefs thirty four, Bills thirty one. I'll give the home team a slight edge, um, but if the Bills win this game. Um, it will make it will make the rest of the season really, really fascinating because the Chiefs are going to have to really not just look in the mirror for what they did two weeks before playing the the Eagles, but they will have known that like every contender has quote unquote somewhat caught up to them. And everybody else in the division is three and one right now. Like I don't, I'm not there yet at you know AFC West panic but the Chargers have the Browns this week the Raiders have the Bears so they'll be fine and the Broncos have the Steelers and should probably win that game losing this puts the AFC West like they would be at a real deficit like they would have a hole to dig out of 
in a way that I don't necessarily think they did it at one and two. At, at two yeah, and three, right. with a, and especially and the one seed, it's not gone, but it's not close right. to, to to being had. If the Bills are four and one with a um, with, with a tiebreaker tie yeah. uh, over over them, and the Chiefs are sitting there at two and three, if the Ravens win this week against the Colts, which they should, they're four and one with a tiebreaker. You need a lot of losses from both of them. So yeah. And, and it, I I wouldn't be con- like if they if the Chiefs lose I wouldn't be concerned about the AFC West just because you still have five more opportunities to I agree. beat those teams. Yeah. Um, you're you're still gonna have a chance to even things up with the Chargers and you have not played the the, the Broncos and the Raiders yet. Uh, if they lose to those teams, then yeah, the AFC West will be will be uh will be in jeopardy. But um, I think the one seed is the bigger implicator for Agreed, 100%. Sunday's game. But you're right, Josh. Like. Uh, either they're going to get on a streak because their offense is going to get better. And look, we didn't even talk about Josh Gordon. And Josh Gordon may play like five snaps or whatever. But their offense may, as Seth said, be even better than it was in 2018. And that may carry them for a while. Um, But both teams need this game. I think the Bills need it for psychological purposes. And we've all (coughs) mentioned why 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 the Chiefs need the game. I think I said 34-31 on Monday, so I guess I'm copying you now. But uh, Or I'm copying you. Something like that. I just I think that this game probably ends up in the 60s because I think the Bills' defense is not fraudulent. That's not fair. Um, but I think that even like uh, the, the Chiefs' offensive line at this point, I feel decent about. I think the rest of the offense, obviously, you feel great about. I don't think it's a fraud, but I think it's inflated by playing some terrible teams and that the Chiefs should still score plenty. I think the Chiefs swapping out essentially Chris Jones for Frank Clark is uh, a move backwards if you could only have one of them. And so that concerns me on a major level. Seth, what about you? I think there's a good opportunity in this game. The Bills have really been working, like all their moves have been based around trying to beat the Chiefs, right? Um, and and they should be. That That's the way to do it. So they've I, they've focused really hard on improving their pass rush. I don't know if they've really done a whole lot to improve on the way they got run over last year. I think you could see another like, you know, 150 yard game from from the Chiefs on the ground, probably Edwards Alaire, but you know, it might maybe be split up to between two guys and it's 200 yards, you know what I mean? Um and so I'm just curious if we see very similar execution to what they did against the Eagles. I just have a hard time seeing the Bills stopping them consistently. Um, I, I think both teams are going to be in the thirties here. I think the chiefs win mostly because I'm trying not to let two kind of fluky games really throw me that much. Um, because we're so early in the season. I would say this is a very, very important game because everything you do in September and October lowers the margin or raises the margin for error later in the season. And you don't want to put yourself in a position where you need to win 10 in a row to even have a shot at the one seed. And if you start off two and three, you're putting yourself in that position. Um, you 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 are going to need to have a 10-game win streak at some point if you start off two and three. Now, the Chiefs are more than capable of doing that, but it's just something to think about that this game does matter. You know, they they could make it as a wild card and still get in there, but it, it matters a great deal. Which which by the which by the way, would kind of be exciting. Because, because again, <laughs> ladies and be gentlemen, different. because again, it'd be different. And Patrick Mahomes, technically, on ProFootballReference.com, has never played in a road game 
when we all know he kind of did last year. But hey, it'd be kind of interesting if like, you know, think about Tom Brady in a road playoff game. You'd still be terrified. You'd still be terrified, but we just haven't seen it yet. So um, we're all picking the Chiefs, but we all understand that the that the Bills have earned the respect and the, the, the worthy contender category so far. Um, and yeah, I'm sure Andy Reid has something cooked up for Josh Gordon too, which we didn't even talk about. It's crazy. And we can't now because you got to get into another Zoom call right this second. Go read uh, Nate's latest story with Jason Jinks and Rustin Dodd about Patrick Mahomes. Go read Seth's work at mnchiefsfan.substack.com. At by Nate Taylor, at real mnchiefsfan, at JB Briscoe on Twitter. That's it. That's the show. Nate, give us a quick talk about how good the the peanut butter burger is so you can go get into the Zoom presser in time. Just try it once, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Just try it once. I'm not saying you're putting it on a bratwurst. Just, just the, just the cheeseburger. Now hold on, peanut butter, peanut butter on a bratwurst. No, don't go, don't stay in the box. Put it on a cheeseburger. Just the cheeseburger. And uh, if not, then do whatever Ethan's doing, which is you know beyond my comprehension.